And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the Thursday edition of The Real Investment Show. It's the second best day of the week. That's right, because weekend's right around. Everybody right now suffering from PTSD, of course. Um, I actually had a guy yesterday, though, seriously, you, you know, look, I know there's cold weather coming and I know we're all having flashbacks to, you know, 2021 where we're all frozen in, you know, broken water pipes, all this type of stuff. But I had a, a, a I've got a problem with our pool and I had the pool guy was supposed to come out yesterday and it's 69 degrees outside. It's a little <laughs> overcast, right? Yeah. 69 degrees. February. It, it's February. He calls me up and says, I can't come out today because of inclement weather. <laughs> now, What's this guy do for a living? Works outside. <laughs> so, just say. So, but no, I actually get a call from the pool company. Go, we can't come out today. Inclement weather. Look, I know it's cold, right? It's, we're all just having PTSD now. It's yeah. like we got cold weather. Coming. Look, I get it, right? We got cold weather coming. Lots of people concerned that this is going to be the next great Arctic blast from you know, the ice age and, and we're all about to be, you know, stuck back in, you know, to, to house to houses for a week. Look, I get it. Right. But, you know, let's not overreact to these things. You know? I, I want to know what are the the ERCOT odds of success or failure? 50 <laughs> 50 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. No, I think they're much better prepared this time around. So, yeah, you know, I, I think we'll see. But you know, it's just it's just interesting. Again, you know, this is kind of the PTSD moment. If you if you lived here in Houston uh, after Harvey, uh, it was kind of the same thing for the next couple of years. Every time we had your know, heavy rains, we all had flashbacks to Hurricane Harvey and and the, the flooding and all this type of stuff. So I get it, right? I get it. I just I thought it was funny though because the the, the weather was fine yesterday afternoon. There was no reason you couldn't come out. Hey, solve my problem. Yesterday afternoon, the commute home, top yeah. down, baby. I know. It's yeah. it great. A little overcast. But it's nice right. day. Yeah. No sunburn. <laughs> exactly. No melanoma. <laughs> it was a no melanoma Thursday. <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. That's true. So, speaking of melanomas, Facebook reported earnings yesterday. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> nice. Like that transition? Yeah. Yeah, it's more just face flop yesterday on um, on earnings for Facebook. And again, you know, is this really surprising? Um, stocks going to open down about seventy points this morning, somewhere around two hundred and fifty dollars a share. That's going to put it back to the lowest level it's been at really since March of twenty twenty. Um, you know, but but the question is, is really, you know, does this surprise anybody? Uh, first of all, Facebook has a huge demographic time bomb. Um, the only, you know, if you ask your kids, ask your kids. If they use Facebook, that's all you got to ask, right? Just ask the next generation down from you, do they use Facebook? The only people that use Facebook are basically old people and robots. That's it. Um, and the robots are winning. And the robots are winning. <laughs> the, the bot farms are winning. And, and that's really kind of the sad news for, for Facebook is that they couldn't create enough bots over the last quarter to, to keep their monthly average users up. So, um but but again, this is this is just kind of really one of the longer term problems. You know, what's the real value of Facebook ultimately? Probably closer to zero because once 
you know, the older age generation dies off unless they can pivot and pick up on the next TikTok. You know, and this has always been the problem with these, you know, with these social platforms is that they're great. And for a while, they seem to have a perfect moat. Nobody could nobody could invade that kind of moat of that social media. Facebook had it all tied up. They were so big that nobody could compete with them. And then Instagram came along and then they bought Instagram you know, to pull it into their to their fold, which was probably a smart move at the time. Instagram still has, you know, a lot of activity with the younger group, which is good. So then Twitter came along and then TikTok. And there are more people now using TikTok than just about anything else at the moment. But again, you know, this is always kind of the, the risk with the social media platforms is that they've got it going until somebody comes along with something newer and cooler that everybody migrates over to. And, and, and there's, no, there's no real loyalty, ultimately, to a platform. You know, I can just uninstall it or install it or you know, not go to it. And there's a lot of people that have Facebook accounts that never use them, right? So, yeah, they're there. They're counted as a user, but they're not necessarily active. And then, of course, the other side of this, as I just said, is that a lot of these users are just basically bots. So, you know, the question, and it was interesting, uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, yesterday, the Washington Commanders. Uh, we've got Michael Leibowitz joining us this morning. We'll touch on this. But he and I were talking about this yesterday, is that the Washington Commanders, now this was the team that was formerly known as Prince. I mean, uh, the Washington Redskins. Uh, <laughs> <so>. Wrong color. <laughs> um then they changed it to the Washington football team. And for some reason, they had some great names. They had the Washington Red Wolves. I thought that was a great name, right? That, I thought that was going to be one of the names they would surely pick. Sounds ferocious, right? Commanders. Yeah, it was met with a inherent shrug by most of the members. But interestingly enough, their social media account, the day they, like within an hour of them announcing their name, Washington Commanders, the Washington Commanders uh, page had over a million followers. That's because they just bought them, right? And that's and that's the whole issue with you know a lot of these companies is there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you actually take a look at, at these metrics that we use to value these companies. You know, we don't really value the company as much on revenue growth and earnings growth. We do look at those, but we we use these kind of weird metrics like monthly average users. Well, if I've got a lot of bots that are using, you know, that are just logging into the page, they get counted as a monthly average user. How many actual users do you have, right? That's the real question. How many live actual people do you have using your platform? That's, that's really the question. But as I said, you know, the, one of the things that is, is potentially problematic for all of these platforms, and just one thing to remember is that, you know, there is no long-term loyalty to these. Again, when somebody comes up with a, a cooler, newer thing, everybody will just migrate to something else. And, you know, that's, that's potentially problematic. And, and again, we're going to see this kind of reverberate through a lot of these companies. Um, we're going to see this kind of happen with companies like Pinterest, um, Snapchat, Spotify, you know all these all these companies because there's so many you know there's there's really there really is no barrier to entry other than money and i mean if i wanted to if mike and i wanted to set up a a twitter light platform we could do that i mean all we could do is hire a programmer put it up and running and and that's it now whether or not we can go buy users to to come use it that's a different question 
but you know there's really no barrier to entry in creating these platforms and creating these opportunities and it's always just been a functional question of how long was it going to be before it caught up with Facebook and the competition would start to eat into their platform and that's what you're now seeing happen as more and more of these competitive platforms like TikTok you know do come you know do rise to fame and popularity all right be back but from the break pick up with Michael Leibowitz and of course we got a lot of stuff to get into this morning about the markets is this recent rally just a rally uh within a bear market or is it the return of the bull we'll talk about that when we come back from the break don't go away Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Okay, so you just your camera is frozen. So right now we're playing radio. You really can't see us, but you can hear us. <laughs> just so, go ahead with Michael, and uh, I'll I'll work behind the scenes. <laughs> there you go. So you're just having a Groundhog Day with uh, technical equipment this morning. You have no idea what I went through yesterday. I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean so, it was stark. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, Puxani Phil did see a sh shadow yesterday. So, yes. again, that's why we have now 39-degree weather in Houston. <laughs> and did you see where one of his competitors knocked the bucket off yesterday? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, six more months of winter. Wait, so, sorry, six, six more months. <laughs> Ice age. Um, six more weeks of winter, unfortunately, and that uh, doesn't bode well for Michael Leibowitz. He's joining us this morning. Michael, really? Washington Commanders, that's the best you guys could come up with? Can, can we talk about your weather first? Yeah, sure. I'm tired of, oh, it may ice, it may get to the 30s. <laughs> Up here in the Northeast, we literally have had about four days where it's been above freezing in the last month. Yeah, see? I know, that's, that's what I'm saying is everybody's got PTSD down here from the from the last year when you know, we actually had a freeze. Right. And now as soon as it gets, well, look, and, and if you ever come to Texas, you know, this is this is the funniest thing is that if it drizzles, people can't drive. And if it snows here, you would, th the whole world come. I mean, like if you just get a snowflake, we shut down everything. I mean, schools are shut down, <laughs> roads are shut down. Uh, we kind of overreact to, to bad weather here, so. Yeah, right. It's not surprising. Nah, right. 
So well, back to that, my bigger question, though, really. <laughs> I, Washington I'm Commanders, really? That. That's all you could come up with out of all it's the possible awful. names? A, it's awful, and B, I didn't come up with it. It wasn't <laughs> my choice. <laughs> I mean, they, y'all had some good names in the mix. Like I was saying, you know, Washington Red Wolves. I mean, that sounded really – that sounded good to me. A, I was a big fan of the Red Hawks. Yeah. If you remember back in the 80s and 90s, we the, the line was called the Hawks. Right. So at least there's some history, and it, it's not going to offend too many people. <laughs> Uh, well, it would offend the Hawks. That's the that's the right. problem. It would be discreet. Right. I mean, that's what got y'all into this whole mess to start with was was the whole oh we we need we need to be worried about hurting somebody's feelings. And I actually interviewed. <laughs> what was interesting, they actually went and took a poll of you know the Indian nations, and they go, we don't care. <laughs> Right. It actually got support from a large majority of them. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, so, you know, anyway, that, that's, what what you, that, that's what you get for falling prey to the whole social media thing. The team hasn't been good in 30 years. It's not the <laughs> well, trend. That, that it's was, been in a bear market for 30 years, Lance. What do you want me to I do? Know, no, that was actually one of the funniest things that I saw actually printed yesterday about the Washington Commanders is that they spent a year and a half coming up with the name. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, now you can get on to, you know, to less important things than the name, like, you know, winning a game <laughs> would be it, would right. be the next the next thing. I, honestly, right? it may be better office management is focused on a name instead of players and personnel and yeah. football. Yeah, true. Anyway, all right. Well, a couple of things, uh, like I said, we're just kind of hitting on this morning. You know, face flop this morning, uh, certainly going to impact the market. So, you know, we had a kind of a fairly strong uh, reflexive rally here something that you know we've kind of been talking about markets have gotten extremely oversold here you know lots of negative if you take a look at for instance uh, sentiment indicators across the board got extremely negative uh, the cnn fear uh, fear greed index got into i just don't care anymore territory and you know so not surprisingly we had a fairly strong reflexive rally here over the last few days and uh, run, you know, started approaching the uh, 50-day moving average. Now, interestingly enough, you know, the leaders of the index, the generals, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, and then, of course, that you throw Facebook into that bucket. Everybody was creaming earnings. Uh, Apple, Microsoft, Google just knocked the cover off the ball in terms of earnings. And then here comes Facebook. <laughs> He's kind of like that uh, – <laughs> kind of like that uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's that, that's that, that kind of weird kid that always shows up at the at the parties late, right? I mean, here comes Facebook and says, "Hey, let me spoil the whole party," and just completely misses earnings across the board. I mean, it's a really bad report, and Outlook was even worse for it. And that stock's going to bring the whole market down because of its market cap weighting size. It's going to bring the whole market down this morning. You know, fairly sharply, we'd be down over one percent on the on the Nasdaq, mostly due to Facebook. So. You know, this is all, you know, the, the, what's good about these big cap companies on the way up is that they can kind of support the index. Unfortunately, they also kind of hurt the index when they when they stumble and, and, and fall over. And that's what's happening here. What are your thoughts? Well, that's been somewhat of a theme this whole earnings season that when companies miss, it's pretty ugly, uglier than it than I kind of remember it being in prior quarters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw with Netflix, Netflix was also down, what, 20, 25 percent. Uh, Twitter's down a lot this morning. Uh, Spotify down a lot because of earnings. Uh, you know, and there's a few other companies. Uh, so the, the the message, I think, is that valuations are so high that you better get your earnings right. You know, if you're paying 
if you're paying a heavy price for something, just like when you go to a store, when you pay a lot of money, you expect for the product to be right. You expect for it to be what you want, to look what you want. And these companies are coming in, you know, Facebook's earnings weren't good, but we've seen some companies come in with decent earnings. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they missed by a penny here. They beat revenue by a little bit, but they warned that forward earnings will not be as good as expected. And you're losing 10, 15, 20%. Well, and that, uh, that Netflix was a good example of that. I mean, their earnings right. weren't ter- their their trailing earnings weren't terrible, right? But it was their forward and gui- their forward guidance that really, I think most people should have expected when you know when everybody was locked up in their house, they signed up for Netflix because they had nothing else right. to do and there was nothing else on television to watch. And you know, once you run through everything on, you know, Hulu, you know, you kind of go find somebody else that's got something. Um, so I, you know, I, it surprised me to the degree that Netflix fell because, again, you know, you should have kind of expected slower subscriber growth now that everybody's going back to work and getting out of the house, right? Well, yes. You know, a lot of these things, though, like Netflix just raised their price as well, well right? It's not cheap anymore. Would they raise it to fifteen ninety nine or seventeen ninety nine? Yeah, well, that's if you have, that, Which, if you have the, the, the premium service. No, <laughs> I think the premium's like twenty. Well, there's, there's three levels, right? So in my household, we have the basic level, which is nine ninety nine. It's like you get one screen, and no. it's just what you get. I mean, you know, and then you get the HD and two screens. I think it's fifteen ninety nine. Then you're right. You know, their full service is like twenty one bucks a month. No, but I think you're. I think they're slowly rolling out the fifteen ninety nine or yeah. whatever it is to everyone because yeah. we just got hit with that, and we're on the basic too. I got you. Uh, so it's coming to Texas soon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right after the freeze. But you know, <laughs> the Netflix the rates is, going up. You know, it's Hulu, it's HBO, yeah. Paramount. I mean, you know, how many services do you need on top of cable? Right? It's on. In my circumstance, at least, I'm paying them. You know, way too much for cable. Right. And you know, it's getting harder and harder to justify. So you start cutting services. Right. You either mm-hmm. cut cable or you cut services. And I think. Right. Over the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of people trying to figure out how to do this all on the Internet, cut the cable cord, or just stick with the cable and try to cut it down to maybe one or two services. Well, you know, I think that's, you know, you know, this goes kind of goes back to, you know, I, we've talked about this before in the past is that, look, you've got to have in order to have high speed Internet. Right. You pretty much need cable. Um, and there's there's other services. I'm not saying, but if you want high speed internet, you're going to call Comcast or you know Verizon like that to, to deliver high speed internet to your house. So, so you're paying the internet bill already, and then you lay on the video services on top of that. And you know the 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 purpose initially of all these services was that you could unbundle all this, right? You could just pick the service you want, you could pay for it. Well, that's all. And we talked about this before. It's like that's all great, fine and dandy, until you've got ten services that you're subscribing to, which is now costing you more than cable. Right. And, and, and so it'll be interesting. So I think the interesting thing will be is if we go back to bundling again to get cheaper services. Right. Does Netflix start? Right. And, and again, does Netflix start to bundle with, you know, hey, if you subscribe to Netflix, you can also get access to Hulu and, um, you know, a couple other services. You know, it'll be interesting to see if they start to move back to that to gain to you know retain subscribers, start cutting deals to, to bundle services into one monthly you kind of one monthly fee because people are getting feed to death. You know, this is this is going to be the same problem, I think, on the Internet with with the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg. Everybody's going to these, you know, paywalls for for information. And 
and, and you know, if you want to have access to, you know, good quality information, it, you know, those fees are starting to rack up. And, and, you know, if you make a lot of money and you have a lot of discretionary income, hey, it's probably no problem. But for the average American, you know, it's starting to get expensive. Right. Right. And I, you know what, I think when you go back to Netflix one second, I, I think what we're starting to see is the evolution of what they do or how they do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just everyone just subscribes to Netflix and that's it. You've gone through all those people. Right. Now you got a lot of competition and you're going to, like you said, you're going to have to come up with bundling. You're going to have to come up with special deals. And they've taken they they they've gotten all the easy money, the low hanging fruit. Right. That's what makes Netflix a little tougher going forward is that they're going to have to somehow add to their service or cut prices or something to make it more enticing or just keep producing great shows. But that's really hard to do for years. Well, and I was going to say that I was just about to say that is, you know, content is also becoming a bigger problem because to produce, you know, there's, there's a lot of shows on Netflix and other channels that you look at them, you go, this was kind of just thrown together, wasn't it? <laughs> you, know, there's, right. you know, but I mean, every now and then, you know, they come out with a really good series or whatever it is. But, you know, producing really great content is not something you can do on a cookie cutter type mill and just keep rolling that stuff out every month. It, it takes a lot of time to do that. And it's very expensive. And the problem is, is once you run through the content, you know, it's it, it's getting more and more challenging to keep subscribers longer, particularly now when I can just unsubscribe and then resubscribe later, you know, under a different Gmail account and get a free month and those type of things. Right. So it, it, I think the whole the whole model is going to the, the evolution of that model over the next few years is going to be really interesting to watch. OK, quick break. We'll come back. Is this market rally over? Or is it just getting started? More on that with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. So, markets are going to open down rather sharply this morning. Uh, Nasdaq's going to be down about 335 points right now. Uh, S&P will be down less than that. It'll be down about 50 points this morning. Dow will be down about 50 points as well. Um, this is almost all entirely due to Facebook. And you know, below that surface will be all of the related companies that either have reported or, or, or basically kind of you know, s- simulate in some form the Facebook-type platform you know, like Twitter, like Snapchat, others, those are going to be down as well, just in sympathy more than anything else. Concerns over whether or not their user base will be declining as well. But, you know, look, right now the Dow is only about 3.5% below the all-time high. 
Um, the S&P is down about 4.5% from its all-time high. The NASDAQ had a 7.5% rally over the last few days from the lows. So, you know, already, you know, a lot of that that damage that was caused and the kind of the sell-off at the beginning of this year that everybody was panicking over, we got down to almost 10%. You know, now has recovered a big chunk of that. And the question is, is are we back into the bullish trend or is that, or is this just a reflex of rally within a bear market where you're going to have more downside to, to go? And, and what's interesting here is, is something that we talked about multiple times last year is that we were in the year last year where we had very low volatility. We were down about 5% at most a couple of times in the year, and that was about it. And we said more than once that when we got a 10% correction, it was going to feel a lot worse than it did because we hadn't had one. And sure enough, as soon as we got 10% correction, you know, the fear, greed, sentiment gauges, I mean, just pegged out to the floor on the fear side. The American Association of Individual Investors, their bearish indicators just went right through the roof. Uh, you know, everybody just got super bearish. And, and uh, of course, you know, across the media, is just you know massive amounts of headlines about you know the the bear markets here the world's over you know this type of thing and so that led a lot of people um you know we've gotten a tremendous amount of you know questions and comments like this is a bear market and then is the market about to crash 50 percent jeremy grantham out you know uh, with his article you know the 50 percent crashes here maybe maybe not i don't know uh that's that's the big question and, and then of course you know how do you navigate this whether it is or whether it isn't what how do you navigate this going forward and, and this is the big question that mike and i struggle with every day right you know how do we you know work through a correction which is all we had right the market was corrected by 10 percent. we held support market rallied off of it or you know, is if this is a bigger bear market, how do you navigate that? And there's some certain reasons to be, you know, concerned that we may have more trouble with markets ahead. You know, and and that's you know where we'll start. Let me flip that over to Mike real quick because he's my local bear. Hey, Mike, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why is this market about to have a 50% crash? I, I, I'm not calling for a 50% crash. <laughs> what I what I think though is important. The words don't fight the Fed. Right. Typically, don't fight the Fed means just buy. It doesn't matter what you're buying, what the valuation is, because the Fed is doing QE. They're lowering rates. They're actively promoting. They're actually pushing. Act, they're pushing liquidity into markets mm -hmm. directly or indirectly. We can debate that all day, but they're supporting markets via, via monetary policy. Don't fight the Fed. You buy. Don't fight the Fed also means be careful. Right now, they're start. They they're not starting. They still got their foot on the gas pedal a little bit, but they're telling us that they're going to take their foot off the gas and eventually hit the brakes. So, you know, we're we're kind of in this period where the Fed is still liquefying markets, but telling you that they're going to be deliquefying markets in the future. So, don't fight the Fed in an environment where they're raising rates, where they're taking away QE, doing QT, reducing their balance sheet means that you you got to be careful chasing the market you got to be very much more defensive so we're in this in-between period we're watching what other central bankers are doing will the fed follow you know that was kind of my gist of my article that i put out yesterday was dissecting what jerome powell just told us because he was to some degree all over the map right uh, you know inflation is scaring them to death uh, is it scaring them enough to take the stock market down 20%, 10%, 15%?
you know, in the past, we've seen the Fed come to the rescue of the market when it's down, mm-hmm. you know, 20 percent for sure. They've come to the market, but even down 10 or 15, the tone starts changing. They start saying things that are a little more productive towards the markets, towards monetary policy. Is inflation enough of a bugaboo that they are willing to sacrifice 20 percent or 30 percent or even more to tame inflation? You know, inflation can be a big problem. Will it last? Don't know. You know, the Fed has been been wrong on inflation for a while now. They're finally coming around to see that's a little more persistent than the transitory inflation they thought. So, you know, each month we keep getting inflation that's either persistent at where we're at, at 7% or trending higher. It puts the Fed in a deeper and deeper hole where they're going to have to react more aggressively. Mm-hmm. And how aggressively will they act and how much will asset prices factor into that and the economy to a lesser to a unfortunately to a lesser degree it should be to a more you know to more yeah. degree but but you know this is but you know the the fed's going to face a, a really tough problem here fairly shortly though i mean if you take a look at ism manufacturing indexes ism services indexes look at prices paid all those are starting to show that you know inflation on a lot of levels has peaked now and already and has already started to decline you know, the monthly rate of change in inflation has been slowing for the last three months. You know, there's a there's a real risk here. The Fed's late to the game and they're going to start hiking into a, you know, kind of this into a weakening economy. If you take a look at the yield curve, it's already telling you that the economy is slowing down rather sharply. Atlanta Fed just printed a 0.1 estimate for first quarter GDP growth. Maybe that's too low. Maybe that'll come up here a bit over the next, uh, you know, next few weeks. But you know, there's a there's a lot of indications that economic growth is slowing pretty sharply. The, you know, and the Fed starts hiking here, they could certainly wind up and and kind of being on the wrong side of the curve again. Um, yeah. You know, hiking rates into a a environment. Right, and the Fed knows it. Look, the Fed the Fed's the Fed's juggling a bunch of balls here. Mm-hmm. They know the economy is slowing down. They're looking at the data. You know, their 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 data can be tough, though, right? We just got off the holiday season with COVID, with Omicron. There's a lot of one-time type factors that are really screwing around with these numbers. We saw that with ADP jobs report mm-hmm. yesterday, right. showed 300,000 jobs were lost. Most likely, tomorrow's big number, the BLS number, is going to show either flat growth or negative growth. You know, the, the uh, what's your name, Pisaki, uh, Biden's press secretary, warned that it's going to be a bad employment number. Right. But but you have weird seasonals because of COVID and the holidays. Omicron certainly had some effect on employment. And weather is always a problem in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a cold, snowy winter for the rest of the country besides Texas. Um, <laughs> so so. You know, there's a lot to juggle. They, they, if they really were very confident that inflation would be coming down sharply come March, April, May, June, they'd probably be trying to stall this out and not be as hawkish as they are. But I think they've been proving wrong long enough that they're starting to err on the side of more hawkishness. Now, whether they actually go ahead and do it or they're just talking to talk is what we don't know. That's yeah. what we will figure out over time. There's also political pressure, right? He's up by or uh, Powell's up for renomination right now. And we know that Biden put him in that position. So clearly, maybe not clearly, but there was obviously a discussion by Biden to Powell that says, if you're going to be renominated, you are going to fight inflation. 
as he goes through the renomination process, there's going to be a lot of congressional, you know, the House and Senate that are going to be saying the same thing, that you are going to fight inflation. Yeah, and I, I think, and I think there's more to this story that that you're that, you know, that we're not talking about, which is the fact that the Fed's at zero interest rates, period. Mm -hmm. And you've got inflation. Great. No problem. And let's assume that inflation is transient. And we've already seen the peak in inflation. Uh, you know, liquidity is now out of the system for the most part. So all that liquidity push on the durable goods side, that's already, you know, deflating rather rapidly. Um, take a look at some of the durable goods numbers coming out lately, telling you that, you know, those, those prices are going to be coming down sharply. But the Fed's still stuck at zero. And the biggest problem for the Fed, and this is and to your point about whether or not they do they support the markets or do they or do they try to hike rates, the problem is being stuck at zero. Because if we do have a deflationary, recessionary environment over the course of the next 12 months, and, and, the, and if, again, if the Atlanta Fed is even close to being right, if the yield curve is telling us what it's telling us, suggests that we could be seeing much weaker economic growth over the next few months, then the Fed stuck at zero again. So the Fed's almost in a position where they have to hike rates. It's almost the lesser of two evils. I hike rates and I trash the stock market by 20 or 30%. As long as we don't create a credit problem and as long as we don't bust margin debt, then I can let the markets decline. Now, once you start to bust the margin debt levels and, and start having margin calls and those type of things, the Fed's going to have to come in and, and start to bail out the banks. That's just going to be that'll just be where they've got to act. But they've got to get off of zero because if they're if they're caught in a recession, and they're at zero, the only real tool they have to help support economic growth of any sort is really dropping rates back to zero. If they're at zero, they've got nowhere to go. QE doesn't really help you know, create economic growth. It does help support the markets. And then theory, um, psychologically, it supports markets. People with money go invest capital into the markets. It sounds great. In theory, that boosts the confidence of the consumer. They run out and buy stuff. But you know, they don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> which is why we had to give them a whole bunch of liquidity the last time to get the economy going. So I think the real threat here is that the Fed's just caught at zero and they've got to get off of zero at some point. You know, And if you're not at 1% by the time you next, hit the next recession, you've got nothing to fight it with. Be right back after the break. We'll talk about that some more with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com are you leaving thousands in social security money on the table prepare to properly claim your social security at our next virtual lunch and learn what boomers need to know about social security your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later join richard rosso and danny ratliff for our next ria advisors virtual lunch and learn thursday february 10th at noon what boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show. Of course, uh, I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Michael Lewis joining me. So 
you know, talking a little bit about, you know, the markets and, you know, is the current rally just a, a return of the bear market or, or sorry, the bull market, or is there further bear market correction to come? You know, this is the big question. You know, it's interesting. So I was just talking about for the break and, and posing this idea is that, look, the Fed's got to hike rates to get off of zero. Uh, recession is coming. There's there's, you know, take a look at the yield curve. The yield curve is dropping sharply. That's pre-recessionary. Um, if you take a look at recessionary indicators, J.P. Morgan's recession indicators already risen to 18% this year to have a recession within this year is already up to 18%. Now, it's not high, but it, it, it begins to ratchet up fairly quickly as more economic data comes in. So if we continue to, if we have weak employment numbers and those, those tend to, and those start to persist, if we see weaker economic growth persist, that's all going to start to jack up those recessionary indicators. Global monetary liquidity is tightening rather sharply. Um, we're now back to pre-COVID levels on monetary tightening, and you know, Bank of England and others are talking about hiking rates, uh, you know, reducing more of that liquidity to the markets. That's all going to potentially start to push, you know, the economy towards a recession. And if you take a look at uh, Chase's consumer spending, um, that's back to has, has dropped. We had this massive surge in spending, and not surprisingly, because all that liquidity is now out of the system, spending is starting to roll over. Uh, disposable personal incomes will be negative by almost 30% on a year-over-year basis in this next month. So we're seeing a lot of those early recessionary signs, and the Fed is aware of these, and they're watching these closely. And, and again, if they're caught at zero, that's the biggest risk for them because they've got no policy tools to work with. And that does put the markets at risk, to Mike's point. So, you know, Mike, your, your thoughts here. Well, let's let's go back pre-COVID, right? 2019, everyone seems to forget economic growth was slowing pretty rapidly in 2019, mm -hmm. right? The yield curve inverted. That's a, a sign of a pending recession. And the Fed had lowered rates three times and they were doing some kind of QE with Treasury bills. Right. So that's the starting point. Then we had this massive influx of money via fiscal stimulus, you know, checks, all kinds of five trillion of stimulus in a year. You know, that's just, that's more than two times what we've seen in the past. And the Fed go bonkers with QE and dropping rates immediately to zero. So we're coming out of that. That those all become headwinds. And now we're looking at the reality, which was 2017, 2018, 2019, long term economic trends. Right. So you start looking at demographics, which do not bode well for the economy for the next 10 or 15 years. It just is what it is. You're looking at productivity growth, which has been trending lower for 20 years now. Right. You're looking at debt levels, which are much higher today than they were before COVID started. Those are all either less of a tailwind. Demographics are still helping us, but less and less every day. Productivity growth is still helping us, but less and less every day. And you have more debt now. And, uh, you know, you got an inflation problem now. Mm -hmm. So so you, you kind of put all this together and you have to start just erasing 2020, 2021 and looking at the prior trends in the prior past. Right. And look, the Fed's the Fed's forecast for economic growth is 1.6 to 1.9 percent. We're not telling them something they don't know. <laughs> right. And, and when we when when we think about long term trends, that sounds about right. right. That's about where productivity growth is. So that's the reality. And that's you know, we so, don't go there. Economies just don't go in straight lines. They zigzag, right? So right. you couldn't get 3% growth and you get minus 2% growth. 
Well, and so that does that really comes back to this whole question here then is, you know, we've had this this nice rally over the last few days, you know, you know, are we and this is the question everybody wants to know, right? Is are we approaching a bear market where, you know, markets would be down 30, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff running around the markets right now. 50% crash, you know, the the whole paradigm is over, better be in gold and and cash and you know, that's a very tough you know, thing to do, because once you go in that direction, if this market, you know, if the Fed comes back in tomorrow and says, hey, you know what, we were just joking, uh, we, you know, there, there, there's a probability here the Fed's a one, way, one rate hike and done type deal. Uh, they hike rates once, everything goes to, you know, goes bonkers and, and they're going to have to stop hiking rates. So, and there's, there's a reasonable risk of that. Um, you know, the question though becomes is, you know, trying to get off of this, you know, super negative positioning of being in a bunker back into the financial markets. This is the biggest mistake that investors make. So how do you navigate that in your opinion? Well, I think the biggest problem is that markets are up, what, 95% of the time? Mm -hmm. 90, 90, 95% of the time you're in a bull market. So the benefit of the doubt goes to the bull market, to the upward trend. But it's those 5 10% of the periods where you get sharp, swift declines. And that's where you need to preserve your wealth. So, you know, we're at a point in time where the odds of a bear market are certainly higher than they, they have been for a little while. But, you know, we have to rely on all the fundamental things we just went through, all the trends. But we also have to rely on our models and our technicals and our risk analysis and our risk protocols. And when do we sell? When do we when do we see signs that the market may be rolling over? When do we see signs that the market is bouncing? And what we saw was a little emotional and nothing more than a little stumble on the way higher. Right. And that's where you got to rely less on gut and rely more on everything out there and putting it together into a plan. But you have to have comfort with that plan by having risk levels in mind by knowing where, you know what, I'm going to pull the plug at this level or, you know what, we're going to buy at that level because that signals that we're going higher. And it's not easy. And you got to strip out your biases because there's a lot of psychological things that get you to either hide in a bunker or to <laughs> to just buy everything because it's 20 percent off. Right. And, you know, you're going to miss out on the next great bull market rally. And, you know, and a lot of times we have both of those, uh, but, you know, kind of bombarding us and managing through those biases and managing through greed and fear is really difficult. But again, it's focusing on fundamentals, focusing on technicals, focusing on our models, what the models are telling us and adjusting along the way. And look, we're not going to be right. We're not. No one's going to be right. But it's it's managing the risk and managing the upside and, mm -hmm. you know, taking in data. There's data every day. This morning, as we're talking, the Bank of England raised rates 50 basis points, half a percent. That was kind of shocking news. So what does that mean? Does that make does that make it easier for the Fed to go? Does that make it harder? How does that affect global liquidity? What about the dollar? Well, this Th is are yeah, and this is what I was talking about. You know, before is that you know monetary policy worldwide is tightening, not just in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Right. But these are all factors that, and they crop up all the time. I mean, right now there's one Fed speaker after another telling us their thoughts on monetary policy on what we should and shouldn't do some of them are very hawkish right we've heard calls from some of them for 50 basis points others like neil cash carry is like maybe we'll do one and then we'll stop for a while mm -hmm. right and they all have a vote 
right? Powell is the the head guy, but they all have a vote and they all have a say and they can all upset markets or help markets regardless of how minimal their vote may be. And these are all the factors that go into what we have to deal with minute to minute almost. Wow. And again, this is where it comes down to also selection of assets as well when, you, you know, where, you know, where should you have assets? I mean, you know, this is, and again, I think this week has been a prime example of that. If you owned Apple, Microsoft, Google, you know, those companies have been killing it on earnings. They've been performing very well. Your portfolio's help has been held up by that. AMD had great earnings yesterday. Um, out of all the sectors in the markets right now, only two sectors actually have profit margins that are higher than they were uh, higher in quarter four than they were in quarter three, and that's technology and energy. Um, outside of that, everybody else has shrinking margins. Not surprising because of inflation, but because tech is so big in terms of and, and versus energy, which is a very small relative weight in the overall index. Because technology is so big and their profits are so big, it makes the whole profit metric looks like it's in, in much better shape. And really below the surface, there is weakness already occurring because of higher rates of inflation, higher input costs, higher wages. So stock selection is going to be really important, You know, buying good quality fundamental earnings, uh, companies that have good, strong earnings, dividend growth. Um, they have the ability to weather slower economic environments as and, and disinflationary environments as well by creating earnings growth. So really focusing, you know, where you've got money allocated in your portfolio is going to be and, and, and really that selection process is going to be just as important as trying to figure out if the market's going up or down. And look, the Russell 2000 small caps who can't pass on inflation, who mm -hmm. don't have the benefits of the Apples and the Microsofts of the world, were stock buybacks borrowing dirt cheap uh they can still borrow cheap but not dirt cheap mm -hmm. uh they were in a bear market earlier this week I, I they've rallied out of it since then but they were down over 20 percent from their highs uh, they yesterday when the market was up a lot russell was down so so again it's stock selection it's it's sector selection asset selection right being in safer as far as earnings being you know price skewing a little bit more towards value versus growth um but you know companies some of these companies like facebook look their earnings are still growing they're they're now trading at a pe below 20. Mm -hmm. so you know you can think of facebook like it or not like the company but all of a sudden it's starting to get into the value realm so so some of these companies that are really beat up again Focus on the company, right. not the stock price. And look, we and, and we've got a, an interesting chart out in our daily commentary. It'll be out at seven thirty this morning. Um, but looking at the Russell twenty five hundred, which is really kind of the proxy for small and mid caps, and it is near a record level of companies that have negative earnings growth, which is, is very unusual for the index. So again, just something. There's a lot. Of, again, quality of what you're paying for is very important to help you minimize damage to the portfolio because look if the entire market falls that doesn't mean every individual stock or every sector will fall relative to that as well so part of building support and hedge in your portfolio is asset and select and, and equity selection 
We'll have more on this in the next few days, of course. Also, read our weekly newsletter. will be out this weekend talking specifically a lot about this and more. Go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get our latest blog posts, videos, more. All there for you, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of The Real Investment Show. It's a rich man's world. It's a rich man's world.